in three, two, one. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Investment Property Income Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jeff Eady. Joining me today is mortgage broker extraordinaire, my good friend and partner, Jonathan Tilger. And we have our very first special guest on this uh, episode, one of my best friends in the world, Mr. Triffin Chitis, who is also uh, a tax expert. He's been many, many years in the tax field, uh, both in corporate and personal taxes, and uh Sorry, he's giving me the okay symbol. Is that uh, <laughs> that mean you can hear me okay, or you're just like, yeah, good, good, good intro. Um, so, <laughs> twenty years trip is that what that's supposed to be? <laughs> I don't know what the three is. Why don't you just tell people? Anyhow, welcome, please today, <laughs> Jonathan Tilger and Trip and Chidas, gentlemen. How are you today? <laughs> Awesome, Jeff. Yourself. Fantastic. Thanks, Triff. Why, why don't you tell our listeners what you were trying to tell me? <laughs> uh, 30 years in the business and uh, pleasure to be okay. on your show. And Jonathan, uh, very, very nice to meet you. I've heard so much about you. And yourself as well, Triff. Well, you know, this is, uh, this is actually really great for me because I got two of my, my closest business friends as well as friends on this this podcast so i'm pretty excited about uh, the symmetry here i can't believe that i've never gotten you guys on a, a conversation together and very excited about the possibility so today i want to stay within your lane uh it's important to to make a couple of distinctions here though triff uh, i do call you the doctor lawyer because you're a dual disciplined individual you sold your corporate practice a number of years back and then got your real estate license which makes you especially qualified to talk about taxes when it comes to real estate investing. Do you want to um, kind of talk about what made that shift happen for you? Um, well, yeah, I, I just, I, I got fed up of the uh, corporate tax world in that aspect and decided to sell my shares off. And during that time, my sister has been in real estate for many years. She's been asking me to join her, uh, thinking that we could be a powerhouse working together. So I made that switch about uh, four years ago. So I've got, uh, you know, just about four years experience in real estate as well now. But uh, uh, I don't, I don't qualify as an expert in real estate. I know, I know some ins and outs, but uh, with taxes, I'm your guy. Um, so that's where well, I stand. That being said, you're also a real estate investor. So in my book, that makes you an expert in real estate because that's exactly who we're talking to here is, is real estate investors. <laughs> and we will stay within the lane. I, I don't want to really spark, speculate much on the market. We certainly all have our own opinions about that. And it seems like every day there's conflicting information coming out on whether it's a hot market, a seller's market, a buyer's market, if it's going to crash, if it's going to continue. I don't want to get into all of that, but I do want to talk about, because I truly believe there is never a bad time to become a real estate investor. Would you guys agree with that? Yep. Yeah. You know, yep. um, the people that I've worked with and the mentors that I've had in the past have said, hey, you could have two properties that are sitting next, right next to each other. One's worth next to nothing and the other one's a brilliant property. So it's always going to be... Um, contingent upon the property and, and the opportunities that you find. But when you do find those opportunities, Triff, do you want to talk about <clears throat> perhaps the first things when it comes to taxes that a real estate investor should be aware of? Yes, of course. Um, well, what they should be aware of is that any money used towards a down payment, uh, towards uh, funding any sort of an investment uh, property in that aspect, as long as it's uh, borrowed money, a line of credit or anything like that, 
um, that is completely tax deductible dollar for dollar uh, against your regular income. Now, I, you know, if it's money that you have sitting on the side, which I don't recommend, that's just my opinion. Um, you cannot write, uh, you cannot write off anything on that because that's your own money. You're not taking a loan on, on, you know, on yourself. So, um, any money used for investment purposes that is borrowed, whether it's from a bank, private investor, whatever the case may be, that is tax deductible. So, you know, that's some good news for investors that are worried about getting into the market. And just, just, just to, uh, to jump on what you said there, you said, a couple things that I really, really liked. Um, first of all, you talked about any, any money borrowed for investing. Now that if now for, for tax rules and, and if I got this wrong, please just let me know. If someone has a mortgage on their principal residence where they live, they cannot write that off. Correct. However, however, if they can, they can document and prove that they did borrow money against that house and keep it in a separate, uh, I'll just say a, a separate mortgage component or line of credit. And they can say that, hey, this was pulled out to buy this property. This was a down payment I needed. That portion they can write off. 100%. And the, the, the other part I really like that you said, you talked about if they've got money sitting on the sidelines. So if someone does have a house, they've got money that they've saved up and their intention is to use that money to buy an investment property. Or an investment of any kind, let's just say. It could be they're putting the money in into stocks, bonds, something else. A good strategy, and, uh, and this is where they would probably need to speak with yourself and myself, is take that money, pay down your mortgage, but at the same time, set it up where effectively put a lump sum on your mortgage, now borrow it out, pull it out, prove that you pulled that out of your house to now invest, and now you can write that portion off. Absolutely. Well said. So I, you know, I'm 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 the guy that has the um, we'll call it the layman's mind here. I just want to make a distinction that the actual borrowed money is not a write-off, but the expenses around the money is a write-off. Is that correct? So the the correct, inter correct. The, Sorry. The, inter the interest that's being paid on that money. And what about fees? Fees as well. Oh wow! So truly. And, and, you know, I'll just, again, kind of go back to what you guys said <laughs> using, let's say you own a house right now, you took out a hundred thousand dollars, you paid uh, three to $5,000 in closing costs, and you're getting the money at 3% to put into another house. Every dollar that you're, you're taking out of that is now tax deductible, meaning you can take it off of your income this year and not be taxed on that portion of your income. Of all the expenses, correct. Yeah, they're dollar for dollar against your income. Wow, that's that's pretty huge. Does that put it into a business category right away, or is that still considered under personal income? No, anything real estate uh, related or even investment related, unless it's in a separate corporation or a partnership of other sorts, uh, it's it's personal. It's on, it's filed and claimed under your personal tax return. So would it be advantageous to set up a, a separate entity, whether it's a sole proprietorship or a, um, a corporation to invest through? Is, <clears throat> is that a good route for somebody with, the, say, their first property? Uh, this, that would be a really long conversation, uh, many different aspects to, the, to that. I've got um, time. <laughs> it, it, it has to be worth the while of... of uh, putting it into an entity, a different entity, a corporation, uh, LLP, whatever, whatever it may be. Um, 
there's a lot of work involved in a corporation. Um, my 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 one and one A, the benefits of a corporation are uh, taxation and liability are number one and number one A. Um, so I'll just read really quick. If there's enough, uh, or if you know that there's going to be enough of investments, uh, transactions, or work going on, then the brief answer is, yeah, you should definitely look into uh, a separate entity and corporation or a partnership of sorts. Uh, if it's just the one you're starting with and, you know, listen, nobody, nobody can tell the future. Nobody knows, you know, if they're going to get addicted to buying investment properties and they can, and they're going to just keep buying them. But if, if you're just going for the one right away, um, I would say just keep it personal. At that point, you're probably, you know, give it a year. You're probably going to get an idea of what you want to do and how you feel it's going. And if it's something that you can stomach and you can afford, then maybe at that point is when you decide you know, to talk to uh, an expert uh, like a, an accountant or a mortgage specialist or even a real estate lawyer and uh, see if it's feasible for you to go that route. And, and if that's the route you're going to go, the first property you have, you can either deem to keep it personal or you can transfer it into the separate entity. Yeah, oh, so so Sorry, go ahead, Jonathan, please. I was just going to jump in on, on the mortgage side and just what you're saying about starting out. Yeah, starting out, I would recommend starting out, keeping it personal as well uh, from the standpoint of once you go corporation, now there become different qualifying rules and less lenders who are willing to in, in basically lend on corporations. So it basically means your, your interest rates will be higher for a corporation registered property versus personal. Um, and also, and, and th this is where Triff, just let me know if I've got this one wrong, but also with, I believe with CRA rules that if a, an investment property is registered in a corporation, it is automatically taxed at the highest tax bracket to start with. Um, no, it is not. Ooh, it Jonathan's not. wrong it's about something. I love tax, this. Right? <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> Listen, for, for taxation purposes of when you're flipping properties, selling them and whatnot, you, you get a you get a really good break on that as well. But no, it's not. It's taxed at a marginal tax rate. The exact tax rate, I cannot tell you. Um, it, it's definitely not higher than uh, a regular corporate tax rate. So at what point um, would somebody want to consider becoming a corporation? I know there's something, and Jonathan, you may be able to speak about this um, very well, is at some point around four properties, you start being looked at differently by the banks, more of a business as opposed to a, a personal lender or a personal investor. Is that true? From a lending standpoint, yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, lenders have the criteria that they will only they will only look at somebody who has, I'll say, up to five properties. So that is the principal residence plus four investments. Once they get beyond that, a lot of lenders are like, sorry, we won't even consider you now. So that that's where that's where from I'll just say a mortgage standpoint, looking at a corporation, there may be some advantages. Jeff, you want to uh, chime in on that at all? Uh, yes, uh, with the CRA, um, it's a little different. They don't care how many investment properties you have personally. Um, just as long as you're not uh, trying to sneak in some personal residences that are flips and you're doing that every couple of years, then they will consider it a business. And otherwise, yeah, you can have 10 or 15 personal properties, whether they're by yourself, whether they're with a, uh, you know, a group of people. 
Um, there's no, there's no difference there. Uh, what I did find, and I'm not an insurance agent, but <clears throat> we do also manage some uh, properties for, for investor clients. And if you have, uh, like Jonathan said, in, in, in the mortgage world, if you have four plus your, your primary, the, the insurance uh, companies consider you a business and you qualify for different rates, which I believe are, are more expensive because of that fact. Yeah, that makes sense. And that comes back to the liability that you said with the corporation versus uh, personal. It's, you know, I've, I've certainly experienced it over the last few years that it's extremely important to have a really good team around you. And um, as great as it is to build, it's also extremely important to protect uh, what you've built because at any point you could have somebody say, come onto the property and fall and be suing, suing you. And, and then you've got a real challenge about, you know, how much can they come after and, and who can they come after? So that's a, a whole separate conversation. Sorry about that, guys. But um, I guess now let's look at um, when you're saying these write-offs <laughs> come off of the income. Um, what exactly is a write-off? Can we clarify that a little bit? Because sometimes it gets a little foggy when people are just learning about taxes. Okay. Well, uh, there's a lot, actually. I mean, we're talking... Ba your basic expenses for having an investment property are going to be your mortgage interest, okay? Not the whole mortgage payment itself, the interest on the mortgage, the fees on the mortgage. Um, because of the fact that the mortgage, the, the principal portion is going against the principal of the house, it's being, you know, the house is getting, uh, the mortgage itself is, is coming down where you have someone making the payment for you and you're not going to get a benefit for that because you're getting a benefit of the appreciation plus the mortgage coming down. Mm -hmm. um, you can write off the insurance that you're paying. Uh, you can write off um, any utilities, heat, hydro, gas, water. Uh, you can... Uh, now, you can even write off some travel depending on how, how far the distance is between your primary residence and this investment property. Uh, it's usually a calculation you would have to make, you know, based on uh, how many kilometers you put on your vehicle for the year to how many kilometers it is between yourself and the investment property. And, of course, to how many times you visited the investment properties over the year. Uh, you can write off a portion of a cell phone uh, or a home phone, which whichever you use, um, you know, depending on how many times you can. You can. Um, you can, in essence, prove that you had to call to tenants or, or, or contractors or anything like that to deal with the investment property. And then speaking to contractors, if you have any work done, now depending on what type of work is done, if it's a capital work, capital work being anything major that has value to the property. Um, so capital capital work could even be a, you know, a new door, um, you know, a front door, an outside door. Usually most of the stuff inside are 100% are write-up, are dollar-for-dollar write-up in the year that you've made them. But again, if you're redoing a whole kitchen, that's adding value to the property. That's considered a capital asset. I know it's a little more detailed than you probably are asking for here, but... No, no, this is capital great. Items, is great. Cap capital, capital improvements, um, they get depreciated annually at a certain rate, which depends on what, what type of uh, capital improvement you made. Um, but the usual stuff, like, you know, if you get a contractor into to fix a toilet, you know, to fix a faucet, 
to even paint really um although some people will deem painting you know adding value to a property uh, i i usually don't because of the fact that uh you know uh when you have a turnover of tenants in, in, in an investment property the new people would usually like a fresh place and you know maybe it's every two years or something like that so yeah i don't deem painting a capital uh a capital expense uh but i mean we're talking everything anything you do i mean if you have to buy a, a doorknob a handle a, you know a doorstop or anything like that any sort of an expense that you could use that you would need for an investment property that's that's your expenses and uh what did i say there so we've got the insurance the mortgage interest property taxes of course don't forget that depending on the type of investment property if it's a condominium um you can write up the monthly maintenance fees um, so that's pretty much it. I mean, I, I can always forward a form, uh, an actual statement, uh, that you can post if you'd like, uh, which shows pretty much the basics of, of what the expenses are. And yeah, now what, one, uh, one question I've got, and this is something that I've, uh, had conversations and I don't really know this side of it, but when does it make sense to, I mean, you talked about capital expenses and being able to depreciate those. And let's just talk about depreciating a property. When does it make sense to, to actually claim a depreciation expense on, the, on a property versus not? Well, the jury's still out on this one. Um, but <laughs> my, myself, I mean, if, if you have an income for, for income taxes in general, uh, there's, you know, there's about, I think five different brackets, uh, lowest ones up to about 44,000 and then after that up to 88,000 and then 88 to 110 or 115 and so on and there's another couple brackets after that i believe if you're above the 88,000 bracket so if you're in like the middle bracket the third bracket um, i think at that point it would be worth uh, depreciating your house and, and getting that value whether you have profits or not if you're depreciating depreciating your property um, it's going to give you a loss Okay. Um, usually, or, or bring down your uh, bring down your, your net profits. Um, so, I believe, my opinion is, you have to be in the tax bracket where it makes it worth the deduction you're going to get for it. Uh, if not, it's just going to increase the uh, your net capital gain at the end, which we can either get to now or Jeff, if you want to maybe talk about it later. Well, that's, uh, it's funny because that's actually, I, I just made a note about that, but I just want to clarify on one thing. What exactly is depreciating an asset? Okay, uh, depreciating an asset. So let's take the house, for example. Um, and, and there's a lot. That'd be a good one since we're talking about the house. <laughs> the house, not capital assets. So the house itself, um, it's usually a, uh, 75%, 25% is the split between land and actual property. Um, they don't let you depreciate the land. They only let you depreciate the, the house. I don't know if you guys did that or not. Um, I so, didn't know that. That's cool. Um, so the depreciation is, uh, it's, it's usually, I think it's 4% annually. And so if you depreciate it one year, the following year, let's say you have a bad year and your income's below that, the mark that I personally believe that you should be claiming it. You don't have to claim it. You can, you can leave it and you can tell your accountant, don't claim it this year and the amount won't get written off. It won't get wasted. It'll still be there. So you can even do that. Um, so 
it's four percent annually. Regarding capital uh, capital assets that you do capital work and, and whatnot that gets appreciated, they all have different uh, different depreciation factors. And regarding those, those will keep getting depreciated whether they're at five percent, two percent, ten percent, fourteen percent, fifty percent until they're completely wiped out. And how long can you carry those forward? Say you don't use them this year. Well, indefinitely until you know, as long as you have the property. Mm, okay, and I know with uh, with corporations like losses, you can carry forward like ten years or something like that. It's uh, yeah. Um, there's there's different types of losses uh, with corporations. That that's a whole different uh, ball game. Um, most of them are ten years. Some are indefinite. Uh, same as personal as well. Um, uh, with personal uh, capital losses, um, it doesn't matter what type of an investment it is. Um, you can carry them forward indefinitely. Uh, there used to be caps on those before, but those have changed. That's cool. That's that's some great information. So let's uh, let's go back to exactly what you were just alluding to there, Triff, and that's uh, capital gains on properties. I know a lot of people in the real estate investment world have uh, studied the rich dad, poor dad philosophy, Robert Kiyosaki, and are aware of, but maybe don't understand, um, he teaches being able to defer those capital gains taxes by <coughs> investing of, say, one property and then investing in another. Is that, uh, is that viable in Canada? No. No, so if, if asking, Short answer. Okay, next topic. <laughs> if what you're asking is, uh, you know, you want to sell one property and take those funds and buy another one right away and, and, and be sheltered not to have to claim that gain? No, not in Canada. Oh, wow. I actually just had a big, a big discussion about this uh, uh, probably about a year ago with another, with a few CAs and, and some people that were adamant. And I said, you know, we, we brought the articles up. In the U.S., yes, the U.S., Absolutely, but we've got nothing to do with the U.S. here in Canada, so mm -hmm. yeah, no. Wow. So what? Uh, let's say you you've got uh, one property, you've built up the the equity in it. You're going to sell it and grab two more. Let's say that's the strategy. I mean, we we tend to teach a, a long term buy and hold strategy here at uh, uh, Investment Property Income. But let's say that was the case, and you wanted to get new prop uh, two new properties. You're going to be subject to capital gains when you sell those two properties, or sell that original uh, one property. Sell, sorry, when you sell the initial property, yes, you're going to be. Listen, unless un unless you're moving into a property, you're selling your primary residence, and you're moving into your investment property to make it your primary residence. Now, um, that's that's a different story because that you can crystallize the capital gain. Being that, you know, at that point, that day, the capital gain clock stops. And if that date is what you're, you know, you're, you're going to get uh, your property assessed at and what the value is. And you can either pay the capital gain then or you can wait until the house is sold. It's, it's kind of like the CRA puts a lien on your house. If you go the, the secondary route where you don't pay the gain now, you pay it after you sell that house. Um, where the other way you were saying was taking one investment property, selling it and buying two others. No, you have to pay the capital gain in the year that the house was sold, the property was sold. And uh, and then, you know, whatever's left afterwards, you take it and you put it on your other two properties. And if you ask me, I believe Canada's got it right. Uh, it would get too convoluted and, and too much for the uh, any government to, to track. If people keep doing this and multiplying and multiplying, kind of like a stock split, 
you know, and then trying them trying to keep track of what properties this person bought from which property. You know, I'm, I'm with the CRA there. You know, paying tax uh, sucks. You know, in actuality, but you know what? It's uh, look at the country we live in. I'll just leave it at that. Well, the, the other thing, the other thing I will just say as well on that side is that uh, the the tendency tends to be let me reduce my taxes, reduce my taxes. And so there's people who get into let's defer, let's defer, let's defer. Then when, what ends up happening, and this is what happened to me personally, was, okay, deferred, 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 deferred until you hit a year where, well, you know what, the circumstances have changed, got to sell those assets. So that deferral, you know what, everything comes due now. And it usually comes due at the time when it's the worst time for it to happen, because now you're in a, in a position where you're forced to sell things because you need the money. And now suddenly that's where the, that's where the tax comes due. And having gone through that experience, Experience, I would actually, my, my strategy going forward is, you know what? I make money this year. I want to pay all the tax I can this year because I've got the money to do it. So that way at a later date, if I need the money, I know it's my money. Yeah. And I, I would Absolutely. add, I, I would add to that, that um, paying tax is not necessarily a bad thing. It means that you're making money. Now, it's um, not unpatriotic to pay as little tax as possible, and uh, there's many strategies around that. I'm sure we could get much deeper into those and, and, and um, expound upon some of those. And Triff, I'd love to have you back on the podcast, maybe to talk about some of those strategies to, to reduce your taxes as an sure. investor. But um, for the sake of time today, you kind of touched on something there that I would love to, uh, to, to go back to, because I think Jonathan can really have some, some feedback. And that was selling your principal residence and moving into uh, what was your investment property. And you said that the capital gains are then frozen at that, that, that level. And I'm just wondering, you, you mentioned that the CRA almost puts a lien on your home at that point if you don't clear them up in that year. Putting it out to both of you, and I'm not sure who wants to speak first, but um, Jonathan, I guess I'll, I'll direct it towards you. Would that affect the need for refinancing if that is an outstanding debt? And we know that the, the government always comes first. Let's say somebody needed to refi that property to go buy another, but they didn't want to pay those capital gains in that year. How would that affect them getting a new loan? Well, it depends if CRA, I mean, and this, this is, I guess, would they actually register something on the property or if I, if I believe so, if they register something on the property, then, then a hundred percent, they will affect it. Then they will be registered behind whatever your primary financing is. So if you need to access equity for anything else, you know what they're coming in third position. And I'll tell you, most lenders we're coming in third. We're behind CRA. No. Hmm. So it's, uh, it's, it's something that if you've got the means, you probably want to clear that up. That's great. I know there's a lot of tax mavericks out there that I've worked with in the past that would definitely not tell you to do that. But when you get a team around you, when you're talking with a mortgage broker and um, a real estate investor and a tax expert, I think it's massive to understand, hey, play by the, the, play by the rules and it's going to be better. You know, your audits are less likely, I would imagine, Triff. <laughs> Yeah, and listen, I mean, the CRA is already letting you sell your principal residence and moving into your investment property and making your principal residence. They know that you've got that money, whether you gave it away or whatever, they know you got that money. They've already given you a benefit of allowing you to defer the capital gain, crystallizing it, you know, stopping the bleeding in actuality at that point. But 
yeah, no, to try to try and uh, refinance again, like uh, Jonathan was saying. No, no, it's I'm, I'm I don't want to say I'm positive, but I'm as close to positive as you can be. There's there's I don't know if it's in the form of an actual lien, but it's something that gets registered on your property by the CRA. Um, you know, because as you know, the CRA systems are so sophisticated these days; they track everything. For the last seven years on a tax return, they have a little box that says, have you sold a property that you deem to be a principal residence? So even if you don't put that and all of a sudden they see you changed your address now this year from your principal residence to the investment property, that, that triggers them to you know, check their, their records. And now they, they've got that, you know, so. And, cool. and I'll, just, I'll just say, I just want to say that one of the greatest gifts that, that CRA gives us is that our principal residence is tax-free completely when we do sell it. So that, really? house you, so that house you bought for seven hundred that you sell for a million, that $500,000 you gained is completely tax-free. Mm -hmm. wow. and, so, and so the situation you're talking about, Triff, is now they're moving into their investment property and they have to do, as you say, the deemed disposition in that year. So they've got to say, hey, I bought it for five. I'm moving in. I'm claiming it at 750. So the, t the capital gains comes on that 250,000 gain that's been in that property. Yeah. Wow. That's some great stuff right there. Um, wow. That's, that's really cool. Um, I guess the last thing I kind of want to touch on is say second homes or short-term rentals that might not be in Canada. How is that affected by this? Um, Tax-wise, uh, any income you earn worldwide has to be declared in Canada and tax paid on in Canada. If you are paying tax or filing tax returns in another country, if you're deemed to be a Canadian resident, not even citizen resident of Canada, you have to abide by the Canadian tax rules. So, um, example, you've got a place in Italy in the mountains, beautiful place, you know, maybe you're renting it out, maybe... It's just a vacation property, whatever the case may be. If there's any income from that place, um, you pay the tax there. If there's any tax you have payable on that income, that's great. Now, you come back to Canada, you follow your taxes, you claim whatever profit you had that you declared in, in Italy. And any taxes you paid in Italy, you get a tax right off here as well for that. But Ah, that's great. You know, if, your income's, uh, if your income's 120000 here, um, whatever profit there is from Italy, that profit goes on to your $120,000 income here. So you're paying, you know, at a lot higher bracket. But, you know, like I said, I believe Canada has a right. And that's what you have to do. And if you've got the write-off, you're really not being double taxed. You're just being taxed at the rate that is applicable to your situation. Correct. On the net. The net less the tax you paid there. Absolutely. Yeah, fantastic. Anything you want to add on that, Jonathan? No, I think that was, uh, that was well summarized. <laughs> Good job, Triff. Um, <laughs> so, gentlemen, let uh, me jump in with one more, real quick, Jeff. If you don't mind? Yeah, please, please. Um, I don't know if this is, you know, maybe for for another podcast or not, but uh, secondary properties, um, cottage cottages, whatever, anything, even 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 in the in the same province or country that you have. I've seen a lot of this in my years of taxes, where. Uh, you know, the, the cottage is in the grandparents' name. They've had it for 30 years. They got it for $20,000 on the lake, and now it's worth $1.1 The last of the grandparents have passed, and it's willed to the kids. Um, 
as you guys know, anytime there is a change of title, um, the capital gain kicks in, right? The property has to be, the capital gains tax has to be paid. There's no crystallizing. There's no nothing for that because the title has changed. So I've seen a lot of people having to sell that property that's been in their, in, in their family for many years because they can't afford to pay the taxes on it. So there's other avenues around that. You guys might know that. I don't know if it's through the mortgage industry or the insurance industry, but uh, that's something people really need to know. And uh, definitely part of the, you know, the accountant family, the mortgage family, the financing family, uh, there should be an insurance agent as well that, that talks about that because I've seen a lot of people lose these cottages, beautiful cottages that have been in the family for years, but and, 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 and as you, title changes. Um, Sorry, but yeah, I'm just saying uh, once title changes, that's it. Yeah, and, and as you say, it, it's more so the fact that this has been the place that has been in the family for years, the place that that uh, that they grew up going to, uh, their kids are going to now, uh, maybe their grandkids are going to, and, and as you say, they, it's been in the family for 50, 60 years, so it's like multi-generation. So that's like the, the, one, the one tie that keeps bringing the family back together, so they want to do what they can to maintain that. Yeah, I think you're in yeah. that situation, aren't you, Jonathan? <laughs> that's, that's yep, yep. Got got yeah, the fam got the family cottage that we've had for what over I want to say 35 years now. Wow, wow. Yeah, that's a great point, Triff, and and thanks for bringing that up. Now, let me ask you, Triffy, on that. Let's say you do own a secondary property, and it's it's it is truly a secondary property. However, to try and supplement some of the income when you're not able to make it up there every weekend, you've decided to do short-term rentals. How is that going to affect the taxes on that property? That's just, that becomes a rental property for the year that you're renting it out. If you rent it out one year and never rent it out again, you never have to file a, a rental claim, it's, but it's still an investment property. Wow. Okay. That's, that's really the good capital to know, game clock. The capital gain clock starts from inception, uh, but the rental aspect of it, uh, just whenever you rent it. Okay. If you're renting it three or four times every year, then you're going to have to file uh, a rental statement every year on your taxes as well. Yeah, fantastic. So I guess that's a good place to uh, to pause this one. I, I want to say pause because I, I definitely see some more conversations coming up. I, I have a, a feeling this is going to generate a number of emails to uh, to Jonathan and myself about questions and wanting you back on the show and possibly bring you on with some guests for a little Q and A at uh, at some point down the road. Are you uh, you open for that, Triff? Absolutely. Yeah, fantastic. So I, I definitely will say. Not only is uh, Triff one of the best friends I have in the world, he has been my accountant for a long time, uh, probably close to 15 years now, I would say, Triff. And uh, I, I know you, you know your stuff inside and out. That's one of the you know, reasons I trust you, not just as a friend, but as a, a business partner, because I truly consider you a partner as far as my, my taxes go. And uh, I, I think... I guess that's where we'll leave it off is making sure that you have a, a really solid team of professionals around you when it comes to being a real estate investor. Um, we, Jonathan, you and I have certainly fielded enough people in the past. We're like, well, my mortgage is coming up for renewal and I'm going to shop it around. And, uh, you know, I got the investment property. I'm going to see what I can do. But there's so much that goes into the business of real estate investing 
that I believe it's a mistake to do it on your own. As you mentioned many times, Triff, having a really solid insurance person is huge. A real estate lawyer, uh, somebody who understands real estate investing taxes like yourself. And then, of course, a mortgage broker. That's All of those people are indispensable because they all know their lane very, very well, but they can only speculate once they get out of their lane. So that team around you is is massively important. And we're certainly going to bring on some team members over the coming weeks in the podcast to really illustrate the points we're talking about on that. Triffy, uh, anything you'd like to finish this uh, episode out with? Um, yeah, if you want uh, further information, Jeff can uh, forward my, uh, my contact. Um, I'm more than happy to answer some questions. And, uh, yeah, I'd be happy to be back on the show uh, if you ever want me again. Where can people find you, Triff? <laughs> In my living room most of the time because I've been on lockdown for nine months. <laughs> <laughs> um, very true. I'm, I've been working out of my house for almost a year now. Um, but uh, I, I've got an email address, and uh, to try and spell it out, Jeff, would be probably detrimental to your show. <laughs> Um, Why do you have to have such a great name? (laughs) And imagine it was an Opelopolis too, right? No, it isn't. Um, Yeah, just Jeff, they can they can reach out to you, and you can forward all my contact. Okay, fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your your time, Triff. I really appreciate it, and always always a pleasure to talk to you, buddy. Jonathan, uh, any any last words? (laughs) Well, first of all, Triff, thanks for thanks for being on. Really appreciate it, Jeff. Always so much fun. Always a pleasure, uh, except for the times when it's not, when we speak together. <laughs> <laughs> Way to hedge. <laughs> and of course, everyone listening, thanks a lot. Really, really appreciate you tuning in. Yeah. So gentlemen, again, thank you very much for joining today. I really appreciate both of your times and thank you for listening. Of course, it's uh, an investment of time for you and I hope it was full of value as I believe it was and uh, a good investment. If you uh, have more questions, you want to get a hold of uh, my good friend Triff or uh, Jonathan or myself, you can certainly send us an email at ipincome at amortgageplan.com. Or if you want to know more about investing in real estate yourself, you can certainly, uh, from a mortgage broker's perspective, you can certainly download the Investment Property Income Book at investmentpropertyincomebook.com. It's uh, free to download and... uh, Yeah, I guess that's it. Your Bob's your mother's brother after this, guys. Thank you so much for joining me. I uh, appreciate both of you. Have a fantastic day. Thank you, Jeff. You, You as well, guys. All the best.